Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology. Happy Monday, everybody. Today we're going to take a look at our next eclipse, which is coming through in about a week from now, next weekend. Um, and that is our lunar eclipse in the sign of Taurus. So we're going to handle this today from a couple of different points of view. I have three what to watch for's, and we're going to talk about this as the concluding eclipse in the entire Taurus Scorpio cycle that we've recently been through. The nodes have already moved into Aries and Libra, but we still have a transitional eclipse taking place this weekend, the last one of, of the Taurus eclipses, but it activates the Taurus Scorpio axis in general. Um, as the sun and moon will be in Taurus and Scorpio during this eclipse. So we're going to just reflect. What have we learned? I will help you refresh on some of the key ideas for each of the whole sign houses based on your rising signs. You can reflect back with some topical awareness. And then we're just going to hit on some of the Taurian dualities, the tensions that the sign brings up. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about how Venus has been so involved in the Taurus eclipses of the past year, especially coming off from the long Venus retrograde in the sign of Leo, and just kind of just refresh you on where we've been with the uh, Taurus cycle and the emphasis on Venus that's taken place here at the end of 2023. Um, tomorrow, we will be looking at um, you might remember that last week I took a look at the deeper meaning of the sign of Libra through a reflection from Liz Green's book, The Astrology of Fate. And we're going to do that tomorrow on the uh, on the sign of Taurus. So because I think that you will also really appreciate looking at how she, um, what kind of meaning she um, provides in the chapter on um, Taurus compared to Libra, because they're both Venus ruled sign, but signs, but she treats them very differently. And so uh, speaking to the Taurian dualities that we'll look at today, we're going to take a look at Liz Green's work uh, tomorrow, and I'll offer reflections on her work as well. I think you'll enjoy that. So a week starting off looking in depth at the coming eclipse in Taurus. That is our agenda for today and for tomorrow. Before we get into it, don't forget to like and subscribe. Share your comments and reflections in the comment section if you have them. It really helps the channel to grow, and it's nice to see community getting uh, involved around each talk. I love reading what you guys have to share. If you have a story to share about any of the eclipses that you've been through or the cycle overall, use the hashtag grabbed or email us your story, grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. Just be sure to tell us which transit and then a very concise story that illustrates the the astrology. We really appreciate when you guys do that. In the meantime, I'm going to take you over to nightlightastrology.com, uh, which is where you can find registration information for my new class, Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystic. Um, you will find if you go into the courses page, first year course is called Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystic. It's a one-year immersion into ancient Hellenistic Greek astrology. And um, over the course of this program, which begins on November 18th, uh, you'll learn all about the art of reading natal charts from the dawn of horoscopic astrology up to the present. Um, we look at the foundations of every element of craft in natal astrology, houses, signs, planets. What are they? Where do they come from? Aspects, what are they? Where do they come from? When you have the kind of foundational ancient understanding, it gives you an ability to grasp things intuitively. You understand where all of the lists of topics and meanings for signs, planets, houses came from originally. And that gives you a kind of freedom that 
is really special and really rare in astrology, which is why I personally made the conversion to um, studying ancient astrology and calling myself a Hellenistic astrologer, even though, you know, I still have a lot that I've inherited from all of the beautiful modern astrological traditions as well. At any rate, uh, there's 30 classes on the year. They are all held via live webinars, but if you cannot attend live because of conflicts, work, time zones, whatever the case may be, you can follow along remotely. Um, all Everything's recorded and kept on a class website for you to listen to or download, uh, including all of the extra um, bonus material that we have. We have a class workbook. We have optional reading throughout the entire program, a lot of reading if you wanted to, as much as or as little as you feel comfortable with. We also have... Um, optional quizzes. And outside of class, we have breakout tutoring sessions to help you if you need extra help with our staff. Um, we also have a forum discussion staffed with tutors. You can ask questions year round and get answers. Uh, we have a guest speaker series that comes in. So there's just a huge amount of really useful information. Um, and so at any rate, I hope you will join. We start on November 18th at the bottom of the page. Early bird payment saves you $500 off. There's a payment plan. Sign up for that and just spread your payments over a year. That's great for a lot of people. Also, we have need-based tuition assistance. We're really excited to be able to offer this. It is one of the things that it's like a staple of our programs that we always provide tuition assistance so that the class is not just um, hosted at one price point, but that it is flexible so that we can meet the needs of people who are coming from a variety of different situations. you got a lot of debt, you're in between jobs, you're only working part-time, you're on a tight family budget. We get it. So if this is something you want to do, but you need to work a little bit within a, a set budget that you have, use the tuition assistance. Tell us about your situation. We'd be glad to help you out. We have um, spots still available there. So uh, feel free to sign up. We have some time left before class starts. We'd be glad for more people to take advantage of that. Email us if you have any questions, info at nightlightastrology.com. Now, I also want to take you to uh, astrologyhub.com where we have, um, I have been doing some promotional work for Astrology Hub, and then we'll get into our topic for the day. Astrologyhub.com. If you're looking for a reading and don't want to wait eight months, which is my current wait time, I've been trying to find a way to promote a reading service until we get our donation-based clinic set up in the new year. And this is a great service that uh, Astrology Hub provides. If you go to their readings tab at astrologyhub.com, you will find that there is um, just a really nice reading service there called Astrologer Connect. If you scroll down, you can learn all about the pro their their uh, reading service. But the, the gist of it is that they have a variety of readers on staff with a variety of styles, specialties, and approaches. Many of these people are people that I've worked with, uh, been at conferences with, in some cases actually uh, met while I was abroad in other countries at conferences. Um, so I've, I know a lot of the astrologers on staff. They've taught for Nightlight before. I have also taught for Astrology Hub before, been on their podcast a number of times. So I trust their uh, work because I know that what they care about is offering astrology for people in a way that is um, meant to be a part of spiritual growth and healing. Um, and uh, and so all of their, I know a lot of their, I don't know everyone on their staff, but I know a lot of their readers to be people who are people of integrity, who do astrology in a way that even though it's maybe a, look, a little different than the way I do astrology, are coming from the right place. 
Um, so you can get matched with an astrologer. You can do all sorts of lengths of reading. You can book by the hour, by the minute. You can do instant phone calls if people are available online. Sometimes there'll be people who are literally available to book instantly. But anyway, I highly recommend you check out their service. If you're looking for a good reading and you don't want to wait as long as my wait, my, my natal astrology readings are booked about eight months to nine months out right now. So um, yeah, I wanted, I get people every week saying, Hey, I don't want to wait as long as your wait time. Where could you recommend that I go? And this is what I would recommend until we get our own service set up. And I'm very glad to be supporting them in general. They have a lot of cool stuff going on. Check out everything on their website. I think you guys will like it. All right. So that's it for promotions today. Let's go on into our, um, our topic, which is the, uh, upcoming lunar eclipse in Taurus. So uh, the first thing that I want to talk about, the eclipse is on the 28th. It's a lunar eclipse in Taurus. It's out of sign in terms of the nodes having already moved into Libra and Aries, but we have one last eclipse that is taking place across the Taurus-Scorpio axis. So I want to come at this today from three different points of view. One is the point of view that asks, what have we learned? Because this is the final eclipse in a cycle that we've been dealing with for a couple of years. So let's take a look at the real-time clock to, uh, to um, unpack this a little bit more. So here you can see we have, dating back to late November, this is the 19th of November, 2021. This was our first lunar eclipse in Taurus out of sign at the time. Someone pointed out that I did a recent uh, treatment of the history of the nodes of the moon in the previous signs. And I didn't include a few that were out of sign. So sometimes I'll just look at the nodes of the moon and the eclipse is taking place purely when the nodes are in the signs of, um, of interest. And then sometimes I'll also look at and include sign, you know, eclipses that are out of sign. So we start here in late November with the first out of sign lunar eclipse in Taurus. This was November 19th of 2021. It's shortly after that uh, around December of 2021, that the nodes move into Taurus and Scorpio. This is by the mean node measurement. If we keep going forward, we wait until the sun gets into uh, roughly the sign of Taurus, and then we're going to start getting our eclipses. So here we have, um, this, this is uh, April, or this is going to be April 30th of 2022. So you can see that, uh, and I, it, this is in the afternoon, April 30th, central time, 2022. We have a solar eclipse in Taurus conjoined with Uranus in Taurus. This is really interesting uh, that this was the first real, like sort of the, the eclipse is in Taurus, the node is in Taurus. So this is kind of the first official one of the cycle, but you can go back to November of 21 for the first out of sign eclipse. Uh, at any rate, so this sort of begins uh, our cycle. This, not sort of, it does. <clears throat> and if we go forward just a little bit, right around May 15th, we had a lunar eclipse in Scorpio. And then we're going to go forward again into the autumn of 2022. And uh, we'll get our next series when the sun gets into Scorpio land. Uh, let's see here. So here we have, uh, let's push this one a little bit. So this was an eclipse that took place with uh, the Sun and Venus in Scorpio late October 2022. Uh, and 
this is October 25th. It was just about a year ago, right before Halloween, that we had a solar eclipse in Scorpio. And now we're going to see this play out a little bit. And then we're going to get a lunar eclipse in Taurus right around November 8th. So here you can see this is a lunar eclipse in Taurus uh, on November 8th, and it's conjoined Uranus too. So we had Uranus in the mix of a lot of these eclipses, which made them pretty exciting. So that's November of 2022. And then we're going to go forward again. And uh, now we're going to push forward until the sun gets back into Taurus around that period of time. And that comes into the spring. This is the spring of this year, 2023. We had a, oh, here we go. This it was an interesting one because this was our first out of sign eclipse in Aries. So now we have an out of sign solar eclipse at the last degree of Aries along with Jupiter in Aries. And the node is just outside in Taurus on April 19th. So now we see the transition starting to happen in the spring of 2023. And if we go forward, then the next eclipse was a lunar eclipse in Scorpio that took place um, right around, let me just make sure I've got the exact day right. Yeah, so it was May 5th. So May 5th, lunar eclipse in Scorpio of 2023, right in the middle, and Uranus is impl implicated again uh, in the sign of Taurus. Full moon was, lunar eclipse was opposite Uranus. So it was a very powerful one in May. And then we go round the wheel and we're going to come forward now all the way into this fall. So here we go, we're coming into the fall. And now we have on, uh, let's see, October 14th, this was just recently, you can see by now the nodes of the moon have moved and we get a solar eclipse in Libra. But as we come around, and this is what's happening this weekend, we get Saturday, October 28th, we have a lunar eclipse in Taurus, and now it's out of sign with the node in Aries. When you go forward past this, you don't have any more out of sign eclipses. So um, by the time we get to next spring, you know, we're, we're squarely in the midst of Libra and Aries season. So, uh, and you know, like, actually, I'll just take you forward and show you so you can see what it looks like. But uh, let's go forward into the spring. And here we can see if we go back just a tiny bit that right around March 25th, we have a lunar eclipse in Libra, squarely in Libra, right? And then we're going to go forward and we have a solar eclipse in Aries right around April 8th, right? Like this. And then the eclipses are going to, by the fall of 2024, we move forward here again to like September, and we get a solar eclipse in Libra on October 2nd, right? Just like that. And let me see. I think we're actually, yeah. So at any rate, you can see though that the, so by the fall of 2024, we're going through our final eclipses in Aries and Libra. And then we, the nodes of the moon will change signs into Virgo and Pisces. Uh, and then our, our next Eclipse, and occasionally you'll get more eclipses as the nodes change sign that are out of sign like that, but still falling with the nodes in two signs or the sun and moon just out of sign. But the, the question that this brings up is, and let's go forward to um, the 28th here so we can just put the eclipse on the screen. Here is our, our lunar eclipse in the sign of Taurus. 
<clears throat> Here we go. So this is the lunar eclipse in Taurus. Features, by the way, Mercury-Mars opposite Jupiter um, and the moon exalted in, in Taurus also moving into a conjunction with Jupiter. So it's a pretty powerful, um, there's a lot of planetary action around this eclipse. So it's not like just because it's out of sign, it's any less potent of an eclipse. This is still a really strong eclipse with some very strong planetary signatures happening around it, which we'll visit later this week. For now, the question that I want to ask is just what have we learned? You know, looking back at those cycles, you go back to November of 2021, all the way up until here in October 28th of 2023. If you wanted, you could bump it up to the spring of 2022, if that makes a little bit more sense. What have the major storylines been? Here's how you can check really easily as to what those storylines have been. I'm going to just remind us all of the house topics for whole signs uh, starting with Aries and just going around the wheel. So what have we learned? In the And this will be by your rising sign. And I'm going to go just lickety split here, just little reminders. What have we learned? If you're in Aries rising, this has had something, the Taurus area of your chart has had something to do with your resources. Now, the resources could be people, places, things, inner states, uh, money. It could be anything that counts as something you have or are in possession of or something you're cultivating or developing that acts as a valuable resource to help you survive and feel happy, healthy, and strong. Now that's that's like just a broad second house meaning. That's for Aries rising. What have you been cultivating in the area of personal resources? If you're a Taurus, it's been about your body. It's been about your health. It's been about your physique. It's been about your appearance. It's been about your identity. I look back at my these Taurus eclipses, holy cow. You know, I, I dropped my religious name. I, I had a pretty big transformation uh, with regard to my health. I mean, it was just powerful. So that's if you're a Taurus. Gemini's, it's been in your 12th house. What's been bubbling up from the unconscious? What's been in your blind spot? What have you been getting in touch with that you couldn't see previously, but now you can for better or worse? If you're a Cancer, what about groups of people, friends, colleagues, social participation? How has it changed? Where do you find yourself fitting in in terms of communities, colleagues, friends, networks of people? How has your social identification changed, especially in relation to your career or your long-term aspirations or goals? If you're a Leo, it's straight up about your career. What's been changing? What's been developing? What's been growing with respect to your um, public-facing identity or your activities that place you somewhere in the world in the social, uh, socially defined sense of identity? or in the realm of uh, identity that is more socially conditioned. Where are you showing up? What are you doing? What are your activities? Where do you feel called to participate in the world or career? Now, um, for Virgos, it's about faith. It's about your beliefs. It's about school. It's about travel or foreign countries. It's about your paradigm changing. It's about your ethical, moral, spiritual, or philosophical compass and how it's been transformed by people you've studied with or things that you've been developing as religious practices or just a, a, a shift in how you see the world and your beliefs. If you're a Libra, then it's been in the eighth house, which has to do with the esteem of other people, what other people give you, what they withhold from you the way you seek others' approval or the way you have disentangled yourself from complicated relationships. It's questions about reciprocity. 
it's about what other people have that you've been blessed with or what you've been able to share with other people. It's also about the devil's bargains you've had to look at or maybe get out of. It's about maybe the topic of death, fear, anxiety. For Scorpios, it's about relationships. It's about marriage, relationships, and intimacy with other people and pleasure with other people. It's where and how you seek meaningful connection with other people that grants happiness. In For Sagittarius Rising, it's been in your sixth house, which means we've been looking at work, sacrifice, service. What are you willing to sacrifice or serve um, what are you willing to sacrifice for or what are you here to serve? Where is the work been? Where's the blood, sweat and tears? Where have you, you know, uh, had to kind of put your back into something? And also what have the challenges, frustrations and hardships been that you've had to struggle to overcome? Um, those kinds of that kind of sacrificial hard work, perseverance, things that you're fighting on behalf for for a good cause. The work you've done that's been hard, but it and it takes a while, but it will pay off if you stick with it. These are sixth house matters. If we keep going, we put Capricorn on the ascendant, and the questions have to do with creativity, with pleasure, with children or pregnancy, with questions of creative fulfillment, with happiness, with sexual or romantic pleasure. Uh, for Aquarians, the Taurus energies of the eclipse have been in eclipses have been in your fourth house, home, family, roots, parents, land, living environment, the past, ancestry, your foundation or base, the need for rest or separation from the world, an emphasis on private spaces rather than public spaces. If you are a Pisces, finally, it's been in your third house, peripherally, things like your neighborhood, your environment, your siblings but also your the mind-to-body connection, mood, emotions, thoughts, and the sort of the ecosystem that is both mind, body, and environment. How has your mind changed? What have you been learning? How have your perceptions or perceptual habits or patterns shifted? How has communication changed for you? Have there been any, has there been anything new coming into your life through uh, communication, speech, writing, technology? These are all things that can come in through the third house, as well as just the question about who and what are what is changing in the environment around you to create a different um, and and better everyday experience? It's kind of like the third house can so is so conducive to um, it's like rearranging a room to create a different feeling. How have you been rearranging things in your uh, everyday life so that you have a different result? Uh, so that is, um, those are some of the main things to, to think about. And just, again, just little prompts to help us. Like, what have I learned? Okay. Where's Taurus in my chart? Well, those are the house topics where the eclipses have been active. You date back to fall of 2021, or maybe the spring of 2022 up to the current moment. And this eclipse will bring closure and kind of emphasize those topics one last time. Lunar eclipses, full moons are about completion and, uh, something that is reaching a point of resolution and integration. Now, the second thing that will come up with this eclipse will be the revisiting of various Taurian dualities. So Taurian dualities have to do, for a lot of them are going to circulate around Venus and this idea of a sign that is solid and earthy. It's also the exaltation of the moon. So for example, I want a peaceful, stable, sweet, um, enjoyable in, like experience of life. That's a Taurian value. 
But on the other hand, the shadow might be control um, or a, a kind of fixity or a rigidity around the very things that are supposed to be so sweet and easy and 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 um, sort of tranquil and, and stable. Like it's supposed to be sort of serene, right? But there could be um, issues with control and inflexibility underneath the surface. There's the desire for abundance, enjoyment, pleasure. The shadow might be lust. There's something that's very, um, let's say, uh, appreciating of, of beauty, but there might be something that's possessive. So a lot of Venusian dualities are present in the sign of Taurus. And we can look at how those Venusian dualities have been driving us um, to make decisions. And, and the shadows of the, the values or desires that we have, especially those that we think will provide us with tranquility, peace, stability, ease, comfort, luxury, um, a kind of feeling of wealth and abundance that is enjoyable. Um, and again, stable. So if those have been the values in a certain area of our life, what have the shadows been that are associated with those exact same um, values or desires? And those are the tensions that we're working with. And again, you can look at the specific topics of the house and then think about those tensions and put them together. And then number three is a Venusian transformation that reach, is reaching a point of wisdom and understanding. Remember that over the past year, it, so much of this past year was spent while these eclipses were happening, while there was also a long Venus uh, retrograde in the sign of Leo from early in the summer to just recently here in the fall. It's about half of our year. Excuse me. And that Venusian transformation, <clears throat> that Venusian transformation um, was hitting squares to Jupiter and hitting squares to Uranus. So what does freedom around Venus look like? What is there? Has there been a freeing or a loosening of Venusian qualities, romance, beauty, friendship, revolutions in relationship, aesthetic, creativity? Um, how have you broken out of a Venusian cage this year? That might be a Venus-Uranus question that has uh, sort of a, a broad uh, application to all of within all of the eclipses because it was the transit that was so present during a year where these eclipses were um, doing their thing. So uh, then there's, you know, there's questions about Venus, Jupiter, what does luxury, wealth, abundance look like, or what does what becomes extravagant or almost like too expensive or too much? So questions about um, proportionality have been a part of the year as well. Um, where have there been areas of fertile growth, uh, fertility, growth, expansion, enjoyment, uh, sensual satisfaction or expansion or experimentation? And what have the shadows been around those exact same drives or desires? Those are the Venus-Jupiter, Venus-Uranus dynamics that were at play largely throughout the entire Venus cycle. And then broadly speaking, Venus and Leo, right? Just questions about Venus and where we feel special or proud or where we feel we're living for something that is both beautiful and transcendent. That's a very Venus and Leo kind of question. Venus and the sign of the sun, whose concern is transcendence. What grants our ego a sense of being here for a reason that both includes our own unique egoic specialness while also going beyond it so that the ego doesn't become problematic? Those have been questions that Venus and Leo looked at for a good portion of the year and were probably thus a part of our eclipse work. So this eclipse, now that Venus is, ha Venus is now in her fall, 
And after this eclipse in the next cycle, Venus will go back into her rulership in the sign of Libra, where the new eclipses are now taking place. We are moving from one series of Venus-Mars-based eclipses into another. And so the work of Venus continues, but now, in a sense, we're moving Venus into a realm that's airier. It's more about the ideas that grant our life beauty and satisfaction. It's about moving from the bodily level of Venus into sort of the mental, intellectual, and social realm of Venus, where we are looking at the ideal images and the ideas that shape and form our life into something refined, beautiful, sophisticated, enjoyable. Um, and that's so, but we're, we're, we're kind of, it's like a transition from body to mind with Venus. And the idea would be to, you know, ideally we bring both together. So I think this can also serve as like a transition where there's a lot of physicality and sensual embodiment emphasized in the lunar eclipse in Taurus, but it's also gently guiding us as Venus moves from her fall in Virgo into uh, Libra. It's gently guiding us into a kind of wisdom or understanding, uh, an ability to synthesize a, a kind of more rational Venus with a more sensual Venus. And both are Venus. Like Venus was associated Aphrodite, the ancient uh, goddess, with both the ideal, balanced, harmonious way of conducting uh, life, the social dimension of Venus, as well as the sensual, physical, in, like in enjoying body. Both are, they're seeking a relationship with one another right now. We might understand that as a part of this Venusian point of integration, wisdom, and understanding that's unfolding with this eclipse juxtaposed next to the solar eclipse in Venus's sign of Libra that we just went through. Well, that is it for this video. I hope that this gives you guys some good things to think about. We'll be back tomorrow to take a look at what Liz Green has to say about Taurus and refresh on some of the dualities in Taurus that we've been working with over the past year and a half. I hope you guys have a great day today. You're off, you're, that your week is off to a great start and we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Bye everyone.